tell you one thing that you will get at a morning star Sunday morning, and that's real. <laughs> we have, uh, we have um, I don't know, lost our can of service polish. <laughs> so uh, it'll be real. Is that good? Uh, you know, let's, uh, without embarrassing our visitors, let's give them an applause for staying for the first time. That's pretty good. So thank you all. So much for staying. I know it's uh, maybe a service a little uh, different than what you're used to, but I can promise you, uh, you know, my wife was raised Southern Baptist, and I was too. I actually heard this quote the other day. They said, the best charismatics were Southern Baptists before, because they know the word better than most of the other charismatic people. So anyway, my wife was, uh, you know what, I think in some ways she's still a little Southern Baptist, and... uh, Anyway, she came here, and um, it was back when the the uh, balcony was up here and the stage was over here, and we were just in a time of worship similar to what we just experienced, and my wife and I came, I invited her, and uh, Margaret was up on the top balcony singing a prophetic song like <laughs> louder. How many of y'all know Margaret can get louder than me without a microphone when I have a microphone? Like, I'm like, how in the world is Margaret outpowering me with a amplifier and, and microphone? She's like, anyway, she was doing one of those things. And my wife, my wife was like, what in the world's going on? And it was, it was around the time when that, um, when everybody was talking about that. I think it was a Greek or Hebrew word, tehila. You guys ever heard of that word? Look it up. It means something good. I don't know what it is. Praise. There it is. And she was like, are they talking about tequila? Like, what is going on at this church? And, uh, but I can promise you, I, I was like, I'd say, babe, no, what, we weren't talking about tequila. And it, I know it's a little different. But she said, I know they love Jesus. I know they love Jesus. They, may, they maybe love Jesus differently than I love Jesus. You know? If we all love the same way, it would look kind of weird, right? You all, you all love each other different. You know, if you, if you were to see the way I love on my kids, it's weird sometimes. Like, we weird people out with the way we love our, especially our little one that was a separate little tiny, we call him. He's got these neck rolls. And we say the weirdest things, like, I'm going to dip them neck rolls in some barbecue sauce and eat them. That's weird. But you know it's love, you know? And we're like, oh, I'm going to get them little thigh rolls because they're the shortest of things. And some people are like, that is weird. But I can guarantee you, they would never question whether or not I love that little boy. Even if I'm weird dipping his neck rolls in barbecue sauce, you know, I don't actually do it, but you know, and some people just have that with Jesus. They just love him so much and they just don't, and it's like, Jesus, I just want to kiss your face and just be with you and forsake everything else because I just love Jesus so much. I'll lay my life down and do whatever comes my way just because I love Jesus. And sometimes the loving Jesus that way can make some people uncomfortable. And I've been on both sides of it. I've been on the side where I've been really uncomfortable by the way people have loved Jesus. And I've been the one, a blubbering mess on the floor, crying out, snotty, gross, because the love of Jesus was doing something in me. And I was on the other side making other people feel uncomfortable by the way I was loving and being loved by Jesus. 
Anybody ever been on both sides of the coin? <laughs> yeah, it's like somehow, it's like if you can't beat them, kind of join them kind of deal. Like I'm just going to, okay, it's very real and I'm very uncomfortable, but there is a love for Jesus that, um, and I want to live perpetually challenged by the way others love Jesus and grow in my love for Jesus. You know, one of the first signs that you are starting to go down the wrong path or maybe starting to veer from your, your, your direction is your hunger for Jesus. You know, when you're sick, the very first thing that normally goes is your appetite, right? A lot of times when I am so off-put by somebody's hunger for Jesus or offended by the hunger for Jesus, it's because my hunger has started to slip away. And instead of actually being challenged by it, it kind of, I put up a wall and make, oh no, that's weird. And I pretend like I'm the normal one for not having an appetite for the Lord. That's weird. Yeah. Lord, I'll, I want to be, be perpetually hungry, 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 hungry for you, Lord. And, I, and if it makes other people uncomfortable, it's okay. Amen. Okay. Um, turn with me to John chapter 10. And uh, for those of you that are, are new or newer, I'm Joshua. And uh, my wife's Brittany. She's back with the children's ministry. And we've got four kids, aging from 16 down to two now. So, uh, you know, we're, we're experiencing life with teenagers and toddlers. Anybody want to lay hands on me now? You can. <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, a teenager tantrum is way worse than a toddler tantrum. <laughs> can I get a witness? Amen. Yeah. I love the teenage years because they're finding themselves and their identity and their independence. And boy, that independence can be a tricky thing sometimes too, right? It's a lot more cute when they're trying to go potty independently versus go off and drive the car independently. You know, whew, I will take a dirty diaper any day over one of them guys behind the wheel. Anyway, we're going to talk about authority today. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't finish introducing myself. As I also oversee the worship department here. I've been at Morningstar now for 10 years, and um, it's been so fun to, to grow with this local church, and uh, I got so many amazing memories here. And about, I don't know, two or three years ago, I... Uh, came on staff, if you will. None of us are really full-time here, but they um, asked me, and we prayed about it and had a dream and said yes, and here we are. So thank you for the opportunity to to serve. This is a little different. That's why I'm introducing myself, because normally I'm singing or playing a guitar or hanging out in the nursery. So every now and again, they let me loose with a microphone. And uh, actually, it was penciled in our schedule, and uh Anybody know that term? Like, oh, just pencil me in. It's not in Sharpie. It's penciled in. Like, I probably won't, but, you know, I don't, I don't want to say no. So they penciled me in, and it stuck. Apparently, apparently Jesse put it in with Sharpie and not pencil. So, no. <laughs> I'm just messing, Jesse. Thank you. 
it was all our fault. So Travis was, uh, oh yeah, you're on tomorrow. I'm like, oh, let's do this. So uh, anyway, we're talking about authority today. You guys heard a message on authority before? Your authority as a believer, your authority over the sick, your authority over demons, your authority over earth in a sense, you know? But I'm looking at authority from a little different perspective. A lot of times when I'm I'm at work, I'll have the Bible app on. I have my earbuds and I can listen to the like lots of of the Bible and I'm kind of in and out, in and out sometimes. But as I was reading or listening through it a couple of weeks ago, this phrase, Jesus t- talking about authority in the book of John, is just one of those things where it stopped me and I had to like get my phone out and make a note and, and just started really just chewing on it because it was amazing to me, and I pray that you find it to be the same. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 14. This is where Jesus is talking about, this is the parable of the good shepherd. And then uh, in 10, verse 14, it says this, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And that's so cool. We were talking and we were singing about laying our lives on altars and inviting the fire. The, inviting the fire is, is symbolism in the in Bible for burning up, receiving a sacrifice. That's 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 that symbolism there. So it was it was neat that we went that direction today. In verse 16, and I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they shall hear my voice, and they shall become one flock with one shepherd. Whew. Do we need that in this day, in this time, in this hour? To be one flock with one shepherd. One flock with one shepherd. With one spirit. There's so many things trying to divide us, and there are so many things that have been trying to divide us as the body of Christ for generations it's just, an, it's just got a different face. It's the same plan of the enemy to scatter. I think Travis started talking last week about the, the appeal to, to break fellowship, to go out on your own, to, go, to do it on your own. And I was r- reminded of a, old, uh, a, wise, a wise gentleman as we were putting out a campfire at a, a fall trip. And he said, you know, we were, it was time to end the night and he said, uh, maybe we'd have water. I forgot what it was. He said, do you know the quickest way to get the fire to burn out? He said, separate all the hot coals so they can't feed off of each other. Y'all get it? Like that is like a strategy in the spirit. Keep the hot coals together so that they, if you have ever left a fire and you didn't separate the hot coals, you might be very surprised an hour later to find that that thing is found an, a, a second wind, if you will, and that thing is blazing or might have gone beyond where you wanted it to, might have jumped the gate or the fire barrier and started consuming things, you know? And it's the same thing the enemy's been trying to do for generations of the body of Christ to find us, oh, no, I follow Paul. Oh, I follow Peter. No, I follow Jesus. No, no, it's been, it's, it's the same thing. You know, I'm not a very political person. I, I consider myself a kingdom-minded person. I try to think kingdom in all ways, in all times. And it's amazing to me how something 
as small as something political can divide a body of Christ who has one shepherd and who has one spirit. And yet it's happening. And it breaks my heart. I know it breaks the heart of God. But he says here in John that I have another sheepfold and they know me and I will bring them together and they will be one flock with one shepherd. So I encourage you this week, pray for the body of Christ to be one flock with one shepherd, not allowing the voice of strangers to try to take them out this way or that way, try to choose sides, not, not trying to go, you know, choose red or choose blue or choose this, choose that, choose Jesus. He doesn't come to take sides. Jesus comes to take over. That is a Rick Joyner quote, I think from the final quest. He doesn't come to take sides. He comes to take over. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. He is the one shepherd and we are the one flock. Let's pursue that. Let's pray. Let's make every allowance for other people's faults. Let's, let's be quick to forgive. Let's fight. It actually says in, in Philippians or Ephesians, let's fight to maintain the spirit of unity. We're fighting, but we're not fighting to maintain the spirit of unity. We, we are fighting to prove our rightness sometimes. And the Lord has called us to fight to maintain the unity of the spirit. To bring loving correction to people. He's the one shepherd. And we are the one fold. Verse 17, for this reason, the father loves me because I laid down my life. This is the second time Jesus has made a reference to I lay down my life. Verse 15, he says it, I laid down my life. And verse 17 says, I laid down my life that I may take it again. Verse 18, no one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority and this is, the, this is the, the verse that stopped me in my tracks. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it back up again. This commandment I received from my father. I don't know about you, but growing up most of my life in the charismatic movement, I've heard a lot of teachings on authority. You have authority over the sick, right? You have authority over demons. You have authority over, you name it. But I've never heard the message, you have authority and you must use your authority the way Jesus used his authority and that is the authority to lay down your life. See, we have a lot of people who use their authority to take up their life who never use their authority to lay down their lives. And when you use your authority to take up a life that you never laid down, it breeds selfishness. It breeds self-centeredness because you are trying to get yours before everybody else does. You're like that kid at the party who knows that there's not enough pizza for everybody, so they make sure that they get enough so that they get full instead of the kid at the party who's like, there's not enough for everybody, so I'm going to take less so everybody else gets some. Have you used the authority that you have to lay down your life? I believe the miracles and the signs and the wonders that we see Jesus doing, the authority that he demonstrated 
is the result of him being continually positioned in a place of authority of laying his life down. If you haven't used your authority to lay your life down and you try to use your authority to heal the sick, it becomes a you show. If you try to use your authority to cast out demons, but you haven't used your authority to lay your life down, you might become a number one bestseller, but it's not for the glory of the Lord. All honor and all glory to the one who is worthy. And it comes when we use the authority. What a powerful word to do something as simple but yet impossible at times as laying our lives down. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to follow Jesus. We're called to, you know, it says greater signs will we do, you know. Part of the signs of Jesus is the laying down of a life. I want my life to be laid down in every single possible way. And I feel like part of faith and Christianity is this being vulnerable with the Lord, being real with myself, and allowing him to bring things up in my life that haven't been laid down. So there was a couple points in there. I, I, I really, this will transform your life. When, when you lay your life down, you're not so easily offended, I found out. When things don't go your way, it doesn't rock your world the way it used to when you've laid your life down because it's not about you anymore. And I can tell you that I am not fully laid down because I get in traffic and I am very alive in what I think I should be getting. And I, I mean, I'm, you, do you ever feel like you just have the wrong lane curse where you go to this lane and all of a sudden the lane that you get into stops and the lane that you were just in keeps going when before that was the one that was stopped? So you're like, okay, well, that line's moving, so I'm going to get back over. And then as soon as you get over, that line stops and the one that you were Anybody else? Whoa, i got to lay something down. I know it's a funny example, but it's so true. When you haven't laid your life down, you think of yourself more. When you have laid your life down, you think of yourself less. When you have laid your life down, you are easily correctable. You are correctable. You're easily corrected. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke about how correctable are you? How, how willing are we to yield to correction in our lives? And I told the story of how I was texting and driving and somebody sent me a nasty email and I didn't like it. Remember that? Anybody else hear from that message? And I realized my life was really, really skewed by that. There was part of me that did not want to receive correction. It's so much easier to receive correction and direction from the Holy Spirit and others when our lives are laid down. When your life isn't laid down, it looks something like this. You don't got to tell me. I don't need anybody to teach me. You start quoting scripture. Only thing I need is the Holy Spirit and you can't tell me and I got this and I got, no, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. That sounds like a lot of arrogance and pride. 
Humility comes to those who've laid their lives down. You realize you can't become a doormat if you choose to lay your life down? You realize no one can take advantage of you if you choose to lay your life down. Let me tell you a story. A couple weeks ago, I was at this place called the DMV. Anybody ever been there? (laughs) My goodness. That place, I don't care if you're getting a green ticket or a white ticket. It is a trip. This is, an, this, is another, this is just a side note, funny story. I went there years ago when, when, um, when the vaping epidemic had come on. Everybody thought, well, I'm not smoking. I can vape inside. So they had this sign that said, no, V-A-P-I-N-G. And I, I am no scholar, and this will tell you why. I asked the person next to me, I said, hey, ma'am, what is vaping? Is that, is that like playing a game on your phone? They're like, no, sir, that's vaping. I'm like, oh, va-. true story. She like, was like, this guy thinks that says vaping up there. I, sorry. Anyway, so I'm at the DMV. And before I even get in, uh, a gentleman comes up to my, to my window with a, an extremely, extremely well-rehearsed story. Anybody ever been approached by somebody with a well-rehearsed story about why their day was bad and why you should help them and why, uh, you know, their... Call- I mean, it was, just, it was just the craziest story. But, it, I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, I guess all these things could happen. Anyway, it was one of those deals. And it was one of those deals when, it, as you hear it, the more elaborate it gets, you realize, this guy's just trying to get one over on me. You know, he was just, there, there's, it was just one of those deals. I don't know if you just call it discernment or what, but I was in that moment. And he, he was, the end game was he needed me to pay for another room for him at the hotel. Right, right over here somewhere. Anyway, really close by. I was at this DMV, and so it was really close. So I was like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up, man. I'll hook you up. But I, I, I've got to get this thing done because I got a job to get to and all this me, 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 me stuff, you know. So I was like, you know how long it's going to be, but you know, if you don't mind waiting. This dude, I get my ticket. I'm sitting in like row three. He sits in the back of row four like this. Like watching and make sure I don't, I don't get one over on him. I'm like, oh, watch. So I'm, I'm, in my, I'm in my Bible reading, and I, I, I turn over, and I'm, I'm reading in Psalms. 20. This is all going to go back to where I just said, when you've laid your life down, you can't be taken advantage of, right? That's, that's where I'm kind of rabbit trailing from, and I'll come back there. Psalm 25. This is what I was, I was doing this track where you just read a psalm every day for the month or something. And in that particular day, I was at Psalm 25, and I read uh, first couple of verses. Oh, oh, to thee, O Lord, I lift my soul. Oh, my God, in thee I, I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. And then verse three, it says, indeed, none of those who wait for thee will be put to shame. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be put to shame or will be ashamed. I wasn't reading it in this version though. I was reading in the NLT version, which reads this way. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced but disgrace comes upon those who try to deceive others. So here I am reading that in the situation where I feel like there's a gentleman 
who's trying to deceive me so I could react to him trying to deceive me or I can live in the truth that says no one who trusts in the Lord will ever be disgraced. I'm not getting defensive about the guy trying to deceive me. I'm offensive because I've got a promise that I am trusting in the Lord. So I had to do a little quick heart check. I bowed my head. I was like, Lord, I trust you. And I know that even though this gentleman is trying to deceive me, I know that you can bring a blessing into his life, even through the deception. And I know that I can't get one over, nobody can get one over on me because your word clearly says, those who trust in the Lord will never be disgraced. Yeah? So I take my ticket and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna leave with my ticket in hand and I'm gonna lose my spot and I'm gonna take this gentleman over to the hotel and he gets in my truck. We drive a hotel. I'm, we get there, and there are two brothers fighting, and they're throwing, like, uh, wine bottles at each other. And I'm, like, ducking from one of the wine bottles actually hits my truck. And I'm like, well, this is crazy. Like, this is just life in the kingdom when you just do, do those little, you know, pay attention to the Lord moments. So I fought, the guy, the guy, such a sketchy place that the owner actually asked for my license and takes a photocopy of my license. And I'm like, why? He's like, well, just in case anything goes wrong, you're responsible. Oh, great. Oh, too late now. He, he got my license after the, I already paid. I was like, oh man, this is, this is rich. And I had, uh, I had just read this, um, this book the day before this guy named, um, Right, Mr. I forgot his first name. His last name is Riley. Anyway, he always says this to people, and it stuck with me. He said, when he blesses somebody or prays for somebody, he does something kind. He says, tonight, when you lay your head on your pillow, I want you to know that the Lord Jesus has been kind to you and that he loves you. And that just really stuck with me. So I prayed with this gentleman, and I said, tonight, when you lay your head on your pillow at this hotel, motel, I want you to know that the Lord Jesus has been kind to you and he loves you. I get in my truck. As I'm getting in my truck, the owner comes out and he points to the side of my truck. He says, is this your business? That's a pressure washing business. Hands me his car. He said, I own another property up the road. Will you please give me a quote to pressure wash the entire complex over there? I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. So anyway, I was like, well, all right. I'm going to go back in. I'm going to go back to the DMV and, um, and see what happens. Go get another ticket. No joke. I pull in and they are still serving people, and it's the number right before the ticket that I still had in my pocket. So all that was going on, and I'm telling you, it is so true. I mean, that, that's like one of those, like, you know, preacher stories that work out perfectly every time. It doesn't always work out perfectly every time, but this time it did, and it says again, no one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced. Let me encourage you today, give generously and don't worry if your people are trying to deceive you because you cannot be disgraced if your trust is in the Lord. Give generously to people because they cannot get one over on you if your trust is in the Lord. It is like the trump card here. You cannot be walked all over if your trust is in the Lord. And let me go back to the point I was mentioning before, if your life is laid down. 
A life laid down is a life fully trusting in the goodness of God in any situation. Do you know how many people spend their lives worried that somebody is going to get one over on them? It is exhausting. How many of you have ever felt a little anxiety when you've been waiting in line at Costco and a line opens up and somebody else gets in the spot that you should have gotten? Well, that was my spot. That was, I, I, that was supposed to be my spot. Oh, man, that is, I, oh, I cannot believe that person. They've only been waiting for two minutes, and I've been waiting here for 10 minutes, and now they went and got my spot. Lay your life down. Lay your life down. They're not trying to get one over on you, and even if they were, if your trust is in the Lord, it won't succeed. Maybe the Lord needed you in that line a little bit longer to pull your so that you could pray a little bit and bless somebody. Lay your life down. Josh, lay your life down. No one who trusts in the Lord will ever be disgraced. Do you trust him with your whole life today? Another part of trusting the Lord is vulnerability with others. You let people into your weaknesses. Oh, if they knew that, then they wouldn't. Would you rather be known or admired? I have laid my life down. I don't want to be put up on some pedestal of admiration. I want my wounds to bring healing to the body of Christ. And I can't do that if I'm not being vulnerable and my life isn't laid down because I care more about what you think about me than I do actually bringing healing to you from the wounds that I have and the Lord's brought healing to me from. Is your life laid down? Are you wearing that mask that says everything's okay? No. Walk in vulnerability. Share with one another. Confess your sins one to another and you will be healed. You know what it says right before that? Confess to God and you will be forgiven. Is the forgiveness of God less important to you than the opinions of men? Because when you have valued the forgiveness that Jesus has said you have been forgiven, your slate has been wiped clean. You have been washed white as snow. You are a son. You are a daughter. This is who you are. Then it's very, very easy to be able to confess your sins one to another because the most important thing has already happened. You've been set free by the forgiveness of Jesus. Now you get a chance to receive healing because healing comes when you confess one to another. Some of us haven't laid our lives down and we're afraid we're, conf- we're afraid of the vulnerability that it takes to say, hey, brother, I really, oh, man. No, I am walking in the complete forgiveness of God. I'm coming to you as a son forgiven, as a daughter forgiven. And now I'm coming to my brothers and my sisters because now there's an element of healing that needs to take place. Because if we're following after Jesus, just as healing flows from his wounds, healing can flow from yours too. Only if you've opened them up to people and allowed people in and healing to take place. You won't do that if your life isn't laid down. If your life isn't laid down, you would rather be admired than be known. I'm just going to end up end with this amazing passage from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. I mean, these are some hard teachings. And the reason I realize some of this teaching is so hard because there's elements of this that offends the part of my life that isn't laid down. 
in the context of a life laid down, it's like, yeah, thank you. I trust my hands, my life into your loving hands, Lord. But let's read uh, Matthew chapter five, starting in verse 38. And then we're going to go to the very end of the Sermon on Mount. It's very interesting the way that Matthew concludes the Sermon on the Mount, but I want to read this first. Matthew 5:38 says this, "You have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist him who is evil, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. And whoever shall force you to go one mile, Go with him too. Give to him who asks you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. See, we like to water that down. I'm going to come back. We like to water that down a lot. We, we like to take out the word love your enemies and put the word tolerate in there. And we feel, our, we, we feel real spiritual, but it doesn't say that at all. But let's go back. I say love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you in order that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. And he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do that. Who's somebody that really offends you? Who's somebody that you just, they make your blood boil? Don't say it out loud. (laughs) Don't say it out loud. But I just encourage you. Take out that word tax collector and put that people group or person in that place. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the, put those people in there, and then finish reading it. Do the same. And if you greet your brothers only, uh, and, and if you greet your brothers only, what do, what do you do more than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. I read a book recently called The Cost of Discipleship by a gentleman named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Have you guys ever heard of him? There is a uh, section in there and he's talking about this part of the Sermon on the Mount and he, he brings it to life. When, he, when Jesus says, love your enemies, you know what he's saying? He's actually saying, love your enemy with the same love that you love the one that is most dear to you. Unless you love your enemy with the same love that you love the one who is most dear to you, it's not Christian love. Y'all can leave now. I know none of y'all believe that. (laughs) No, I like it better the other way. I like the tolerate thing. No, when your life is laid down, the offensiveness of that scripture doesn't hit you the same way. When your life is laid down, you can love your enemy with the same love that you love your husband or your wife with, with the same love that you love your children with, your grandchildren with. I can't fake that. 
Can any of you, anybody in this room fake that kind of love for your enemy? No. You will live what you believe. You will live a life that's either laid down or not. And you can be like me for years and hear that and just kind of put it on the backboard and be like, oh, no, I'm just going to study some Greek and Hebrew and find a reason why that's not true so that I can get off. Oh, well, I'm just going to, maybe I'll find a commentary that's going to explain why, what it really means to love my neighbor, because that's intense. And I want to find some commentary or podcast or book that's going to make me feel better about actually having to do what Jesus said for me to do. I'm going to do anything in my power to avoid actually having to lay my life down and actually use, and I'm going to keep on using my authority to like cast out demons and stuff, but I'm not going to use my authority to lay my life down and wonder why I'm frustrated and wonder why I'm still dealing with stuff and wondering why sin has a place to land or occupy my mind and my heart. It's because there's a place in me that's not laid down. At the very end, I mean, all, all, that, all that was really intense. You know, the whole eye for an eye. You know, if somebody asks you to walk one mile, walk two. That whole, I mean, that's, read, read that in, that in the context of that and, and, and don't try to find a way out of it. Just, just read it and sit with it. Sit with it and allow it to pull back what's in your heart. And then in Matthew 7, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, you know, Jesus ends with the, the story of the two foundations. And then, and then Matthew, I believe it's Matthew here, who says these last two lines, verses 28 and 29, kind of sums it all up, if you will. And he says this, The result was that when Jesus had finished these words, the multitudes were amazed at his teaching. And then it says in verse 29, He was teaching them as one having You want your words to do some amazing things? Lay your life down. Demonstrate the authority that you have in him to lay your life down. The people that have influenced my life the most are men and women who have laid their lives down, who have used their authority not only to heal the sick, because they do, not only to cast out demons, because they do, not only to set people free, but people who have laid their lives down in every single way. For he was teaching them as one having authority, not as their scribes. I can't prove this biblically, but I I still want to say it, and you guys can challenge me on this later. I honestly believe that until we've demonstrated the authority to lay our lives down, all of the other demonstrations of authority are going to fall flat. And by, by flat, you might be see some success here and there, but it's not going to be to the glory of the Lord. That's what I mean by success. I don't mean somebody got healed. I mean, that's amazing. But there is a glory that the Lord receives when we demonstrate the authority to lay our lives down. It's not about us anymore. We're not so worried about, oh gosh, what if I pray for this person and nothing happens? What happens if I cast out this image? Nothing. You're not thinking about that anymore. Your, li- your life has been laid down. What if it doesn't take? What if it, ugh. What if? You're not thinking like that anymore. Your life is laid down. You know what all those thoughts are rooted in? Well, if I pray for this person, nothing happens. What does that make me look like? What? 
You won't think that if your life's been laid down. It's all about him. You will pray so much more freely. You will speak so much more freely with a life laid down. So I just want us to take a moment and just invite the Lord. And this, this might happen right now. It might not, I don't know, but I believe this is something I've been walking out for a couple months now, been chewing on this. And the Lord keeps on bringing things to mind and I can choose to be like, yes, thank you, Lord, for answering that prayer and, and revealing me some things in my life. He's still working on my, uh, my, my road rage. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's like bad. My wife will tell you, you become a different person when you get in the car. I'm like, Lord, help me. <laughs> like I wanna lay it down and I just feel so entitled when I get behind the wheel of a car. Like, I, like where I gotta go is more important than where somebody else has gotta go. It's so weird. That person, oh, they must be from up north because they don't know how to drive. All these crazy things we say. You know, my life isn't laid down. Oh, my food. I can't believe these. Do you know how long it took my food to come out of the restaurant? Oh, man, I deserve to be right now. What? Like, it's so simple. But these are little, little things. How well do you respond to being inconvenienced? That'll be a little telltale sign. If you get really upset at inconvenience, you've got a couple more levels to get before you're loving your enemy like your husband or your wife. (laughs) But something miraculous happens when you just say, Jesus, I lay my, I present myself to you a living sacrifice. I want to live my life, Jesus, the way you would live my life. If Jesus were to step in to Joshua Lingner at 39 years old, where I'm at, I want, my li- I want to make my life, I want to live it the exact same way Jesus would live my life, have the impact that Jesus would have if he was living my life. You ever think of it that way? Wherever it is that you are, you know, Jesus was placed where he was at and did amazing things with the hand that he was dealt. And I know if my life is laid down, the place that I'm at, running a small business with four children and a pastoring in a small church, Jesus can do amazing things. If I lay my life down, stop comparing myself to what everybody else is and doing and thinking I should do, and just lay it down and say, all to thee, I surrender. All to thee, I surrender. The power of a life laid down, the the power of demonstrating the authority that we have in him to lay our lives down. And don't forget, you use that same authority to pick up your life too. But don't try to pick up your life before you've laid it down. It'll end in frustration and fruitless living. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. If you just stand with me as we pray and just... However you posture your heart to just really just look at the face of Jesus, look at the face of the Lord, and just ask him, Father, you're so good. Into your hands, I commit my whole life. Into your, whole hand, into your hands, I commit my, my hopes, my dreams, my aspirations, Lord. Lord, let everything in me be laid down on this altar. I choose today to use my authority to lay my life down. And I know there's an element of that, that all I can do is lay myself down. There's a song that says, I'll provide the sacrifice, you provide the fire, God. If I provide the sacrifice, God, you provide the fire.
Just pray that prayer. Lord, I'll provide the sacrifice. You provide the fire, God. I want to live a life of honor unto you. Just allow the tender touch and the tender voice of Jesus to speak to you. His voice isn't condemning. His voice isn't harsh. It's sweet and it's gentle. And everything he speaks and every bit of correction that he brings to you is for your good. It's because he loves you. It's because he's correcting your course. It's because he has a plan for you that's better than your wildest imagination. And it starts with laying your life down. We invite you now, Holy Spirit. You provide the fire, God, and I'll provide the sacrifice. Don't be surprised when you leave here today if an opportunity arises for you to get offended or get tested a little bit. Don't beat yourself up if when somebody cuts in front of you at Costco and you react the wrong way, celebrate because the Lord is revealing something in you that he wants to touch. And just recognize it. It's, it's a huge step when you go from, I feel justified in this feeling to, oh gosh, I shouldn't feel that way. And there's a conviction because a lot of people feel justified in living like that. They feel like that's normal. I'm, that, that's my, I'm due that that spot in line is my spot. No, no, no. That's not normal. That's not normal. It's not normal to feel entitled about parking spaces and grocery lines. It's normal to feel like nobody can ever disgrace me because I have put my trust in the Lord. No matter what hand I'm dealt, I'm going to (laughs) win. So we welcome your Holy Spirit conviction. Thank you for the gift of conviction, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you demonstrated for us. You laid your life down for us. As a good husband, you laid your life down for your bride. In the best way that we know how, God, we, we lay our lives down before you today. In the name of Jesus, who is worthy of all honor, who is worthy of every breath that we breathe, we lay our lives down and we honor him and we thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.